I think most people have found their way over to Happy Gilmore. He's been the talk of the course today with his huge drives and his amazingly bizarre behavior. He's on the 17th green right now, having a little trouble closing out his day. Happy, the ball itself has its own energy, or life force, if you will. Its natural environment is in the hole. So why don't you send him home? His bags are packed. He's got his airplane tickets. Bring him to the airport. Send him home. <laughs> send him home. I just send him home. It's time to go home there, ball. Son of a bitch, ball. Why didn't you just go home? That's your home. Are you too good for your home? Answer me. Suck my white ball. <laughs> Virginia, put out a press release concerning Happy Gilmore being thrown off the tour. I want to see a draft by 6 p.m. You're right. He was out of line. His behavior is completely unacceptable. But you know, golf has been waiting for a player like this. A colorful, emotional, working class hero. I will not tolerate behavior like this. Gilmore is gone. I just got a call from the Dallas Open. Their phones have been ringing off the hook with people who want to see Happy. They just sold out. Already? I know. He's a little rough around the edges. But let me work with him. He's a monkey! Okay. Fine. But he's your responsibility. If he cleans up his act, he can stay. If he doesn't, it's your ass. And any more of this? Suck it, There you fucking lie, mother... And he's gone. You bitch! You fucking play where it lies! Fuck you! He's Bobby Hensley. I'm Sean Steyers. We're two guys talking sports movies. Yeah, I wanted to start, Bobby, by thanking all of our loyal listeners. Which, all of them. You know, for a while, I thought maybe we had two. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the number is actually a lot bigger than that. I, I did, you know, the downloads are growing all the time. So whether you're, you listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, WSBTradio.com, wherever it happens to be, thank you. To the lawyer, loyal listeners that we have for, for listening on on whatever device, whatever apparatus, whatever technology you might happen to listen on. That listen makes on. it all worthwhile to watch these movies. It does, doesn't it? Just to know there's people listening. <laughs> Some of the whatever that we watch sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> no. I think we've, we've had a pretty good list. We've, um, we've moved around. We did Vision Quest, obviously, last week. That might have been the most excited I've seen you to do a movie. I was I was just telling you I listened to the podcast and I was I was maybe a little too excited about the subject matter because I as someone as I said in that who wrestled for 8 years it was it was obviously close and that's kind of the reason I guess that I even own the DVD. Sure, now, I mean I, I think it's as you said it's an underrated gem. I think that as it sports movies, and I think it holds up over a long period of time, especially from the eighties, because that's obviously a different time. Yeah, it's a very different. It's a very eighties movie when you sit and look at it between the soundtrack, which is good, great, I it has did, Journey on it, so it's I, great. It's not right. good. It's great. That's right. I knew you would enjoy the Journey, mm-hmm. which is part of why I thought this is this would be <laughs> a good move just to do this because yeah. of the Journey and and all that. So. We, you know, this is our 26th episode, the one we're doing right now. So if you go to the archives, we've done Caddyshack, we've done A League of Their Own, Dodgeball, Field of Dreams, Friday Night Lights, Remember the Titans. We've done a lot. We've and, and we've done comedies. We've done more serious ones. We've we've done some a lot. Acad- Academy Award winner. That's true. Rocky. Rocky. Yep. Yeah, we've done uh, Rocky and Rocky Two, and we're going to be doing Rocky Three. Is going to be our next one after this as we continue. The Rocky Saga. 
There's a bunch of them. There are. We're, we're going to be doing Miracle as well because February is going to be the 40th anniversary of the Miracle on Ice. So we're going to do Miracle, another one that I like a lot. That's a Disney movie. It is a Disney movie. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think there's always, whenever Disney does a sports movie or anything that's not cartoonish, there's always going to be, I think, some criticism sure. of it that, oh, it's a very Disney movie. And just like remember the Titans. are Marshall, remember the Titans. Yeah. Yeah. And I had kind of forgotten that it's a Disney movie. I don't. I, well, that's a podcast for. We'll different save time. it for when we actually do Miracle. Yeah. So you uh, you mentioned Rocky. There's actually a Rocky tie into this movie. That is very true. Carl Weathers, Apollo Creed. That's right. In this movie, and one of the very few things I actually remember him in, outside of Predator, <laughs> which you haven't seen. You've got to see Predator because you're a pro wrestling fan, right? Yeah. Jesse the Body Ventura oh, in God. Predator, and it has one of the all-time lines, ain't got time to bleed. Oh, you've got to see Predator sometime. Arnold, Jesse the Body Ventura, Carl Weathers, you've got to see it. That's a loaded cast. It is, man. It is. It's good. Well, this one is Happy Gilmore, Adam Sandler, 1996. That's a long time ago. This is. It, it is, as we like to say. <laughs> it's hard to believe it's been 24 years Fish out of water story where you've got this kid who grows up, huge hockey fan, and then all of a sudden he finds out he can drive a golf ball with an unorthodox swing, and and uh, he goes on the pro golfers tour. They don't call it the PGA tour. I think it's it's the notable. pro tour. Yeah, PGA really had nothing to do with <laughs> <No>. this. <laughs> I think on purpose, probably. Yeah, probably so. Adam Sandler though had just finished his five year run at Saturday Night Live. Most of the cast. In this time period, 1995, I think it was it was after the 20th season, they get canned. He, Chris Farley, Kevin Nealon, who's in this. Kevin Nealon is in it. Jay Moore, who was in. Uh, Bob Sugar, Jerry Maguire. Jerry Maguire, thank you. He was part of the cast, and I think he, Jay Moore was only around for like a year when they got fired. But this was, they actually, in doing the research on this a little bit, I, I didn't really realize until just recently when... Sandler went back to Saturday Night Live and hosted for the first time since being fired that he was fired because cast always obviously revolves. They come and go on Saturday Night Live, but he was a fixture for only five years. But apparently the ratings were down and there was this was one one of the times, one of the few times that there was actually serious consideration to just canceling Saturday Night Live after 20 years but instead, Lorne Michaels overhauls the cast, and it was a big decision. And, I mean, you look, you've got Sandler, you've got Farley, who both obviously went on to do big things in movies. So then who did they replace him with? Do you know that? Uh, they brought in Will Ferrell. Okay. So <laughs> Jim Brewer, Daryl Hammond, Sherry O'Terry, among others. They didn't get rid of completely everybody. Was, there were a yeah. few guys that they kept around, like uh, David Spade, for example, who did – uh, like Tommy Boy and Black that kind Sheep. of stuff with fart, yeah. But uh, so so those were the so they the, kept the big Spade ones. and got rid of Adam Sandler, Sandler. And apparently, and it was kind of like Lorne Michaels had kind of said to Sandler that that he had essentially done Ran all he course. could do. Yeah, he had run his course. And when you look at Sandler and some of the characters, I mean, I, I think you can probably see that. Yeah, because it, he had some he had some you know cool characters. He had. Opera Man, he had Canteen Boy, Cajun Man, who probably the Water Boy was right. probably partially based on. But, you know, there's 
There's sort of only so limited much you humor. Can go. Yeah, there's only so much money you can get out of that cow. Yeah, exactly. Brian, the sad sack boyfriend in the romantic comedies, uh, he laments the loss of Denise, and he does this show called the Denise Show, and I think some of that kind of even shows up in this, in that breakup scene, which we'll kind of get to a little yeah. bit later, where he's talking through the the, the intercom yeah. and the buzzer and and all that. Um, but I mean, Weekend Update, he had the songs Red Hooded, Red Hooded Sweatshirt, Lunch Lady Land, the Hanukkah, the Hanukkah song, of songs. course. Which, yeah, but um, I didn't realize he got fired, though. But like yeah. you say, he to this day, he's still trying to reinvent himself as a serial, or serial, serious character, and it doesn't always go well for him. Yeah, and so I saw, you didn't see the SNL episode where he went back and, and hosted last year, but the quote was, I was, he did a song, actually. I was fired, I was fired. NBC NBC said that I was done. Then I made over four billion dollars at the box office, so I guess you could say I won, <laughs> which is true. And it's interesting. I don't know if how much you went back and looked at how much money his movies made, but I was blown away, quite frankly, at the gross that a lot of these movies did. Well, and then at the end of that SNL, he did a touching song to Chris Farley, dedication to Chris Farley. Yeah, yeah. I did it was see really that. Good as well. Um, well, his movies for a while there, he was like king of comedy, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. Uh, this was the second one. Which is why he started Happy Gil- or uh, Billy, whatever. Then he have a his own production yeah. company. Yeah, but he just put out a movie every single year. Production company ha- Happy Madison. Happy Madison. That's what yeah, it was. 1999. Yeah, which is a combination of his first two. So, which means that because of the money that he made prior to '99 on all these movies, it's like, well, I can just start doing my own, and that's why I think even though he still has some misses, yeah, which we'll talk about here in a second, he's he has had many more hits. Than misses. And when you have your own production company, you can essentially do what you want. You can put Dan Patrick, the sportscaster, in, in movies as well, which he's done a few times. Yeah, Longest Yard and a couple other times. <laughs> That's right. But, um, yeah, well, he, he's putting a movie out every year, too. It wasn't like he put one out in 96 and then another one in 99. It was every year, sometimes yeah. twice a year. Well, that's I've got the list. So in 95, Billy Madison, mm-hmm. that's his first one. 96, you've got Happy Gilmore. 98, The Wedding Singer and The Waterboy. Right. Both of them. Here's here's an example. The Wedding Singer, eighteen million dollar budget made eighty million dollars, and then the same year, The Water Boy, twenty three million dollar budget made one hundred and sixty one million dollars. So that's why Adam Sandler a year later starts his own production company and can make whatever he wants at that point. Well, Water Boy, I mean, I know it's a loud, like not a you know critically acclaimed film or anything, but that was growing up. I remember that movie being very very popular. And it surprises me because it has never been really a favorite of mine. No, I and I haven't seen it since probably 2000, so yeah. I don't know if it holds up or not. But Big Daddy in 1999, $34 million budget, $163 million. Again, that, made. that was one of probably the top movies of the year that year. Here's where things turned a yes, little bit. Yes, I agree. I hate this movie. Go ahead. Little Nicky. Yes. Yeah. And I remember seeing this in theaters and I just went, what? Yep. How did this happen? Because I liked all those other movies. Yeah. Well, I haven't seen Wedding Singer, but all those other ones I thought were great. And Little Nicky had an $85 million budget somehow. I guess it's because, remember, like he went to hell and there's all the, I don't know where the budget came from. Or did he pay himself a lot more? Maybe, I don't know. But it only grossed $39 bucks. Good. Huge flop. Good. Yeah. I mean, things really could have turned for him, but then he goes on. He's got Mr. Mr. Deeds, Deeds a couple yeah. years later. Fifty first dates. Then he transitioned people. a lot more yeah. than the rom coms. Yeah. Did you see? And then, of course, the grown ups with where he starts making movies with with like Spade and 
and a lot of his different Kevin friends. James, and stuff. I think? Kevin James, yeah, yeah. thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Uncut Gems this year. Did you see Uncut Gems? I by haven't any chance? yet. Saw it right before. Uh, I guess it came out on Christmas and went to see it with my son and my dad. And he's a serious character. Some, yeah, a very serious that, character. There was a lot of talk like he was going to get an Oscar nomination. It didn't happen. And I'm really shocked because if you look at Adam Sandler and all this stuff where he's doing these just, quite frankly, stupid characters, yeah. goofy characters, and the voices, and you know whatever right. else, and you see him in Uncut Gems, and you don't think that that was one of the best acting performances of 2019, I don't know what you're doing. Honestly, was that because good? It was, it was a really good performance. I have some problems just with like, Maybe some of the editing and the sound and stuff that kind of bugged me. Yeah, that that has nothing to do with him. Wasn't that a loaded cast though? I'm trying to think. It really wasn't. No, it was just him. It was yeah, it was mostly just him. It had Kevin Garnett in it mm. because it is based on what was going on with the Boston Celtics season. I think it was 2011 where it was supposed to be set, but it was the the story of a gambler. It, he plays a gambler who you know, ends up digging himself in you know much deeper. Now is the gambling a true story, or is that just added? That's, I think I, I, the 2011 Celtics is just the setting. That's yeah, not an that actual. Was, that real, was sort okay. of the backdrop and what was being bet on. Like and, Celtic pride. And Kevin wasn't a real Garnett movie. <laughs> was also this guy that was trying to get this this gem, literally an uncut gem that came from I think it was Ethiopia. This rock that had still had sure. the, the gems in yeah. it and stuff like that, and and so that was part of the story as well that Kevin Garnett was trying to buy this from him, but. Just uh, again, if you if you base what you saw from Adam Sandler in a completely serious role, it was not a comedic role at all. If you see him in that role, based on the body of work that we've seen from Adam Sandler over Way nearly different. three decades, completely different. Just a great job, and I and really shocked that he didn't get any love at all from the Academy or the Golden Globes or any of these different bodies. Do you ever watch the show True Detective? Yeah. Did you see season two when like Vince Vaughn tries to be serious? Unfortunately. Like, that was one of the worst seasons of television of any show I've ever watched. Yeah. And I was excited because that cast was pretty loaded. And, and he's taken like more serious turns. Like he did the the World War II movie a couple years ago where he was a sergeant. The Mel, I can't think of the name of the movie off the top of my But it was based on a true story and everything. But like, he's not transitioning as well into no, serious stuff. Not like, at all. So that's good to see that Adam Sandler can do that. Yeah. Completely agree. So what would you do? You have like a a top three, top five as far as Santa, uh, Adam Sandler movies go. Sure. Do you? I put one together. I've always kind of liked Adam Sandler. Nothing, you know. Some of these movies I consider it's you right. Know, it's again, a bit much. A little goes a long way. Right. I think that's sometimes. a really good way to put it. Yeah. Like even in this movie, the runtime was like one hour forty minutes. I think. Yeah. And three quarters of the way through, I'm like. I'm starting to check my phone. I'm like, nope, gotta stay focused. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So I've always liked him, but again, there's only it, it, to a, to a, to a degree, right? I guess. So what would your? Do you have five? Could you take yeah. your list all the way to five? So I, what are your five? So one and two to me. Let's try start at the bottom. Number five instead. Sure. Okay. Five. I actually put Happy Gilmore. Okay. I mean, part of it's because it's just his early work, so it's cool to see in mm-hmm. sports movie. I like sports, so that's what I had at number five. Okay. What's your number five? Uh, I didn't really put them in order. Well, so just go ahead and go through your work. go go through your five, and I'll put I'll try to put mine in order. While so you then do I this. I want to try and spice it up a little bit. So number four, I put the movie Click. Okay. I like the thought that you know you 
that movie, I, <laughs> Click. So, I don't even know if I've heard of that one. He gets this remote control, and anytime he wants to skip something, he just hits fast forward. But the problem is, is every time, like, he didn't want to see his parents because they annoy him. So he hit fast forward, then he wakes up, and they already visited, and they're gone. Okay. And then he starts to skip work. He starts to skip things he doesn't want to do. Then he realizes that once you skip it once, you have to skip it every time. Okay. So there's like 20 years off his life where he just was gone because he didn't want to deal with something. <laughs> and then he wakes up and it was all like a fake, kind of a dream. So it tells you to enjoy everything in life, even the small things, even the things you wouldn't. So anyway. Okay. Number three, grown-ups. All right. I, really, I thought that was pretty funny. The second one, too, again, you have all these characters, but they're just kind of fun to see them all joking around. And then for number two, I put Billy Madison. Right. So I thought that was really funny. In the last scene where he's like, glad I called that guy. And at no point in your rambling, incoherent thought did you make any semblance of a point. I award you zero points and may God have mercy <laughs> on your soul. Yeah. He's like, a simple no would have done. And then number one, I put uh, Big Daddy. Okay. John Stewart. Big da- John Stewart was in that? That he was the real dad of the kid. Man, I had forgotten. I haven't seen that in a long time. It's like he's the like the, Frankenstein's the kid's name, right? Yeah. And it's John Stewart's kid, but. Um, Sandler takes care of him until John Stewart comes back into town. Yeah. Uh, okay, so my number five, I've got The Wedding Singer. Just always thought it was See, pretty I ne- funny. Well, I don't like that movie I've always hated Brett Favre, and I know he's in it. <laughs> I forgot about that. And it kind of reminds me, like if you've seen some of the – I'm trying to think of which movies he is in. I know I know you're not a big old school fan, but you remember uh, the 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 we- – when Will Ferrell gets married at the beginning, and then they're at the reception, and they're dancing, and there's the band. It's called the Dan Band, and they show up in The Hangover as well. The same group. At the end. Yeah, so it just kind of reminds me of that. It is, it, you know, Most of these movies I haven't seen in a long time. It's kind of a one and done every once in a while. And know, maybe not even the whole movie when you do watch yeah, it. Exactly, yeah, exactly, exactly. But so Wedding Singer, mm-hmm. Billy Madison, back to the beginning, the kind of a funny story of the it's a, a unique rich plot, guy. really. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah. It, and especially, it was really fresh when it came out, and I guess that would have been 95. Yeah, and a lot of these, there's always that that girl, like we talk about mm-hmm. the, the love interest and stuff like that. But there's sort of the the immature Sandler character, and there's the the more mature female that yeah. he's involved with that kind of helps kind of set It's almost like right having path. a straight character next to, like a straight guy, you know, to keep him on the yep. narrow. Number three, I've got a Happy Gilmore. Number two, I've got Uncut Gems. Again, I really okay. liked him in it, and I liked the story. The, the only problems I had there was like too much with some of the the way they use the soundtrack, just the, the the volume and stuff like that, and the repetitive nature of it. Number one, I've got Funny People, which again was like a big turn for him, and and uh, Leslie Mann in that, who's been in, of course, her husband. I can't think of his name off the top of my head, but. Uh, Guy with the beard, and he does a lot of the comedies. Judd Apatow. Oh, Judd yeah. Apatow. Yeah, he's in everything. Yeah, exactly. And that's Leslie Mann. He's married to Leslie Mann. Okay, so those are our favorite Sandler movies. And when you look at the rest of the cast in this good cast, you mentioned Carl Weathers earlier as Chubbs, the guy Which, with one hand. The second movie we've done with somebody with one hand. That's Kingpin. right. That's right. We did Kingpin as well. And this was a completely different kind of hand and an interesting looking <laughs> hand. Julie Bowen, though, speaking yeah. of the straight female who helps kind of guide him, this is one of her first 
movies. Yeah, she had done a lot of TV, or at least here and there in TV, not significant roles, I think. But this is, she's like in her late, mid to late 20s, and she's Virginia. I didn't even talk to her publicist. I didn't even recognize her in this movie. I was reading the cast, and I knew it was her. I was like, wow, that, I guess it was a while ago. Well, and I. The fashions were different. Yeah, well, that's very true. But uh, her most famous role is Claire on Modern Modern Family. Family. Do you watch Modern Family? I do not. You do not watch Modern Family? Do you? Did you ever watch a TV show called Ed? I did. She was Carol Vesey. She was. He was a bowling alley lawyer. Yes. Yeah. The bowling bowling alley lawyer. Of course I watched the bowling alley show. That's well, Stucky. You were, still, you were still pretty young Stucky at this Bull. point. Yeah. And the theme That's song. That's an underrated show. It is. It's a very underrated show. Yes. And I looked, they did, I think they did like three or four seasons, 80 some episodes. I loved that show. And it was one of those that just couldn't hang on quite long And that enough. cast was pretty stacked as well. Yeah. Tom Cavanaugh. Yeah. A great cast that they had. And it, so that's where I really remember her. And then if you go back and see Happy Gilmore, it's like, oh, she was, that's. That's her, and she also had a small recurring role in Lost. Did you ever see? Did, you were not a Lost person, no. right? She was Jack, one of the main characters, uh, Matthew Fox's ex-wife in Lost. And every once in a while, in some of the flashback sequences, you would see her. Shirley Bowen. Yeah. She was also in Weeds for a few episodes. I saw that with Kevin on IMDb. That's one that I didn't see, so it didn't really register. Probably registers. With me, the way Lost registers to you. Well, that's where I got Kevin Nealon. I was watching that show, Weeds. Oh, he, he was in that, wasn't he? Yeah, he had a yep. reoccurring role. Christopher McDonald as Shooter McGavin. Yeah. And did you read the stuff about him in terms of the casting? That he didn't want to do it? Yeah, he originally, <laughs> he says that he originally turned down the role several times because he was tired of being typecast as the antagonist, but he reconsidered as he had enjoyed Adam Sandler's previous film, Billy Madison. He was playing golf in Seattle, taking a break from filming his uh, previous movie in Vancouver. And he just worked out. Yeah, he just uh, kind of liked. And he said it was one thing. of the best decisions of his career. Yeah, I think, I mean, when you look at Christopher McDonald, I think this is now, probably what he's most known for, wouldn't you say? Sure, but that's my point. Even though he's done a, a lot of stuff. When you say the best decision of his career, what about him was so appealing to this role that they kept asking him over and over and over? Plays a good jerk, I guess, right? He does. I mean, I get that. And the that. fact that he could golf also helps, I think. Yeah. Eh. It just seems like you wouldn't be the guy that you're like, you know, I wrote this role for him. <laughs> yeah, I wrote it for him. It's almost like an interchangeable role. Yep. He said it. Yeah, he did say it remains one of the best decisions of his career. At least it, financially, yeah. I'm sure. Richard. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Richard Keel, he is... The boss that gets the nail in the head. Which he's been in a lot. Yeah, he again, one of these character actors like McDonald who's been in a ton of things, most significantly the James Bond film Moonraker, and he was in the original Longest Yard. The Burt Reynolds one. Yeah, I think I Broke His Frickin' Neck was uh, his most famous role. Yeah. Did you see in this movie that he had just gotten into a car accident a couple years before? Yeah, and I guess he had problems standing And and I kind of noticed that. Like at one of the scenes when they're hitting the ball off his shoe. Right. The two people standing next to him, and he has his arms around him if you look closely. Huh. I didn't notice that. So Interesting. And then Ben Stiller has a small role, uh, the bad guy Hal in the nursing home. Bad guy? He was lovely to Happy. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And then as soon as Happy leaves, yeah. completely different guy. And then, of course, Bob Barker as Ugh. himself. 
Love the Price is Right. Yeah, and this, I guess the Price is Right got a big spike from college audiences after this movie. Yeah. I think part of that's like, you know, the hungover college kid has nothing better to do in the morning than watch Price is Right anyway. But he opened up Bob Barker because he's a completely different character. Two PGA pros, Lee Trevino and Mark Lai, the only real golfers, the only actual golf- golfers from the tour. I always say almost said golfers, uh, the only <laughs> That's pro <Caddyshack>. golfers, <laughs> yes, from the tour. Trevino just mostly shakes his head and kind of makes faces at Happy. Which actually was um, real reaction. Really? Because he, he didn't read the script. Older guy. Yeah, so he doesn't really know what this is going to be. Well, that's huh? what they said, that he uh, if he'd known how raunchy it was going to be, he wouldn't have agreed to be in it. No kidding. So they think a lot of those reactions are actually pretty real. <laughs> Did your opinion of Happy Gilmore change at all after watching it? Um, No. Some of these movies, like 96, I was probably a little too young to understand some of the humor, and I haven't seen it since. Uh-huh. So I, a couple of the jokes and stuff I thought were a little more funny, but no, I still thought it was a decent movie. Yeah. Not great, not terrible. Yeah. It was good. It was yeah. funny. And I mean, quite honestly, when we started doing this little podcast project, I never even thought about Happy Gilmore for to be on our list as a sports movie. And then it's like, hold it. There's hockey in it. He's a hockey player at the beginning. Then he's a then golfer. He's, then he's a golfer. It is. I mean, it's right in the wheelhouse of this. Now that I'm looking back on it, the majority of the movie took place on golf courses. Yeah. I listened to that. That's very true. I mean, there's golf throughout, which is a big deal for you when we're talking about sports. Uh, here we go. <laughs> Say one thing one time, and I get nitpicked forever about it. Anything new you noticed that I didn't, you didn't remember? I didn't know Ben Stiller was in it. Yeah, I had forgotten about that as well. Completely. So. For, and this is kind of one of his first movies because he had done some TV, he had his own series for a little bit in the early 90s, and this kind of gets him rolling toward the movies, even though it was a really small role. They said it was uncredited even. Yeah, and it was a typical... Stiller. What we've talked about with Stiller before, where he is great, where he just jumps into this character that's even more caricature, where he's he's the bad guy, where he's like, he's totally, oh, we're going to take great care of your grandma, and blah, 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 and then boom, the door shuts. All right, grandma. Yeah, all right. Break time's over. Yeah. (laughs) That's right. Yeah. What about you? Did you learn anything? Uh, Not really. There was not a whole lot other than like the little stuff like that Trevino was in it. There's really wasn't a a ton that I guess I didn't, you know, was completely lost on me. Uh, It is a very tidy hour and 31 minutes. Right. (laughs) Yeah. So So, that, that always stands out because as much as I enjoy some of these movies, the fact that we sit and we take our notes and all that kind of stuff, that just sort of. Kills some of the fun it does. from it, doesn't it? But, you know, like this movie was so short and I'd hit pause and I'm like, okay, there's only 40 minutes left or whatever. It's yeah. nice to see that. I watched some it of the long three movies 30 minute segments actually okay. over three days just because I had the way other stuff goes. going on. And yeah. Wow, you're that busy that you only get 30 minutes for. Uh... Well, it wasn't that. It was no, just, kidding. yeah. Kind just of broke, breaks just it up a little around. bit more. Breaks it up a little bit more. All right. Let's do some favorite lines. You All ready? Right. Yeah. Start. Still hold two records, Go, most time in the penalty box, and the only player to take off their skate and try and stab <laughs> someone with it, which he actually references again later in the yeah. movie. And I, my, my first one is, I was put on this planet for one reason, to play hockey. Yeah. And, of course, he goes on to be a golf pro. Well, you know, he talks about playing hockey at the beginning of it, and um, the player he mentioned being his favorite was Terry O'Reilly, mm-hmm. who's actually best known for jumping into the crowd at Madison Square Garden oh, and really? going after a fan once. I didn't realize that. So it's kind of fitting in with his his 
favorite player. And that was kind of his hockey skill was more brawler than true technician on the ice, I guess. See, but they alluded early on to the golf stuff because he could hit the ball, the puck so hard. Right. He broke the glass. That's right. And I've got I've got some of this in my scene, so I'll save okay. some yep. of that okay. for the scene part, like when more of the hockey references and stuff like that. I'm sure you're going to talk about this whole scene, but one line that <laughs> stuck out to me was, you're a lousy kindergarten teacher. I've seen the finger paints you bring home, and they all suck. <laughs> Maybe kind of laugh. Yeah, he had a uh, – Happy definitely had a mean streak. Yeah. He could snap. Yep. And that's – you know, what's funny, and I forgot to mention this, his, his appearance on Saturday Night Live, the way Adam Sandler does a lot of these different characters, they're all – very distinct with different mannerisms and voices and stuff. And one of the funniest, probably the funniest scene that he did is there is the Sandler family reunion because he is known for all these different Oh, so they brought all their characters. And so he's got you know a lot of the different SNL cast members, but they're doing his voices from, you know, and, whether it's Billy Madison or Happy Gilmore or Opera Man or whatever, yeah. So, oh, that's a so funny scene. So they're all like talking and drinking, and they're doing all these different voices as if you know that's where he, yeah, that's where they derive. So it was pretty funny stuff. It's pretty good. Yeah. All right. Favorite lines. You think you're better than me? Which is, I think that shows up in a few other uh, Sandler movies, if I remember. I know it showed up on SNL, but it's also because this was set. Wasn't it supposed to be like a Boston suburb because yeah. he was wearing the Bruins stuff? That's like a recurring Boston thing as well. You think you're better yeah. than me? Yeah, because they're always kind of second fiddle to New York. Yeah, especially the Southeast out yeah. there. All right. Another line I had is when uh, Ben Stiller, I think it was Ben Stiller, was like, can you trouble me for a glass of, and he goes, can you trouble me a glass for shut the hell up? <laughs> right. <laughs> I, just, I enjoyed a lot of Ben Stiller in this movie. Little too. goes a long way. Yeah. It's a really good way to put it. Yeah. Um, when the, when the, when the, the kid caddy shows up and he says, just make sure I don't do anything stupid. And then yeah. the guy's teeing off. He's where were you on that one? Dipshit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like the, the line where he first meets Chubbs and Chubbs like, well, I wasn't allowed to play on tour anymore. It's like, Oh, cause you're black. He's, no. Cause I lost my hand. <laughs> With the gator. He's talking to Shooter and the other golfers, and he asked the guy about the jacket, and Shooter, of course, is being obnoxious. He says, they give that to you when you win the Tour Championship. And so Happy says, oh, yeah, where's yours? Where's yours? <laughs> yeah. That was a great line. <laughs> I like when uh, they're outside the golf club for the first time, and he limo pulls up, and he goes, wow, there must be Burt Reynolds or something in there. <laughs> oh, right, right. Which is funny because he ended up doing Longest Yard and bringing in Burt Reynolds later. That's true. Must have been a big Burt fan yeah. growing up. Who's not? Uh, Shooter is, again, being condescending when they're playing happy. I know what you're doing, and I don't like it, so shut your mouth before I put my foot in it. Yeah. <laughs> These all sound like lines of, like you would say. <laughs> or you. No, I'm nice. <laughs> Just not to you. I don't know about that. I like when Ben Stiller, uh, they're making quilts, and he gets off the phone with the order of quilts. And he goes, good news, arts and crafts has been expanded by four hours today. Price is $200 per quilt. Yeah, well, this is handmade quality shit we're talking here. Yes, well, when do you need them by? All right, good do business with you. Okay, listen up, everybody. Turn up your volumes. Announcement. I got good news. We're extending arts and crafts time by four hours today. My fingers hurt. What's that? My fingers hurt. Oh, well, oh. now your back's going to hurt. Because you just pull landscaping duty. Hmm. Anybody else's fingers hurt? 
I didn't think so. What do you make me act like that in front of everybody, huh? Mr. Gilmore! Hey, toity straight down to the right, dear. How's my grandma? Oh, she's super. We're just enjoying some arts and crafts time right now. Grandma's quite a quilter. Hey! Wow, that's a tremendous-looking trophy. (laughs) Vern Lundquist, who I didn't mention. Vern is doing the TV for this. He says, uh, it's quite a large and economically diverse crowd here at the Michelob Invitational. (laughs) And then another line he has right after that is, I think I even saw one guy wearing a beer-dispensing helmet. (laughs) And what's funny is in that... This movie, Vern Lundquist, obviously his voice is pretty iconic. Uh-huh. The, his partner on that doesn't say a word the whole movie. It reminded me of the Bob Euchre in Major League when he's doing the play-by-play. Dynamite drop-in, Danny, or whatever yeah. his name is. Yeah. Where but, he's just kind of sitting. Yeah. I thought the same thing. I, I was like, did he ever? And I should have made a note of that. But I, he I did not. Thinking, did he, does he ever actually talk? At one point, it? he says, mm-hmm. But that was right. it. They asked him a question, and he That's goes, right. mm-hmm. Uh, the heckler, you suck, jackass. Yep. You're going to need a blanket and suntan lotion because you're never going to get off that beach just the way you never got into the NHL, jackass. <laughs> the green's that way. Sure. You will not make this putt, you jackass. <laughs> they keep showing that uh, Shooter McGavin keeps making that joke about living on the beach because he... They earn the sand so much. Well, and he and the guy who plays the caddy are two of the Sandler known for oh, just a lot of those guys in the small roles who right. are in almost everything that he does. Those two guys, the and, caddy with the beard right. and, and this guy. And then the crazy-eyed guy that's not in this one, but he's in Mr. Deeds and he's in right. Big Daddy and he's in right. those other ones. I like uh, when Happy, they're like, just put the ball. The ball's natural environment is inside the hole, Kevin Nealon says. So just put the ball on its home. Right. That was then a he, good scene. The, then the he misses the putt. Yeah. He goes, well, I could, probably shouldn't read the whole thing, but it's pretty aggressive. <laughs> well, that's okay. Go ahead. <laughs> you little son of a bitch ball. Why don't you just go in your home? That's your home. Are you too good for your home? Answer me. <laughs> Lee Trevino. Grizzly Adams did have a beard. It's basically the only thing he says the whole movie because it was we were right. saying. He's mostly just making faces, but then um, – Shooter McGavin is sort of mocking Happy about, oh, it, you know, if that happened, Grizzly Adams would have a beard and yeah. Lee Trevino. Grizzly Adams did have a beard. Like, he just goes, oh, yeah, pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I don't have that many more lines. The last one I have is obviously The Price is Wrong, Bitch. Yeah. I've got that, but that obviously, in right. the scenes. Yeah. Happy shoots better than Shooter, and he, and he goes... He, the the long drive and one of the scenes toward the end, he goes, you know, the pathetic thing is you've been playing your whole life. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty good. And that kind of goes, well, I'll get to that later. Yeah. And then also, happy learned how to putt. Uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody's in trouble. <laughs> All right. Favorite scenes. Should we just start with a Bob Barker scene? Yeah. I mean, I think... Again, coming into this movie, that was the number one thing I remembered is that Bob Barker was in it. Absolutely. And I think it's what most people remember. And I'm trying to find my notes because I've got more notes on the Bob Barker scene than anything else. Um, the whole way they set that up, I one thing, it's a pro-am, right? Yeah. So Bob Barker's the amateur? Well, yeah, because he's not uh, on the tour. But none of the other it's amateurs. Kind of, it's like the celebrity. Yeah, but none of the other him. people on the, like they showed the list of names. and not, That yeah. would have been a great place for more cameos or something. Like Tony Romo goes out and plays, right. but he's still the amateur, for example. He's not on the pro tour. Well, what's that one they have out in California where it's always like... The one at Pebble Beach, where where Bill Murray and plays. And Steph Curry's and, there. Yeah. And, yeah. 
They throw footballs into the crowd and stuff. Yeah. So Bob Barker wasn't sure if he wanted to be in the movie, and then he learned <laughs> that he was going to win the fight with Adam Sandler. That's when he accepted the role. Yep. When Dennis Duggan told Bob Barker that a stunt double, Dennis Duggan was the director, mm-hmm. Dennis Duggan, Dennis Dugan, he told him that a stunt double would be used in the fight scene. Barker insisted on doing his own stunts. He said, wait a minute, I know how to fight. I guess he's been studying Taekwondo karate. I, I saw that. For decades. Oh, for decades. That I didn't realize. So I like thought he, knew that he did it like just for the movie or something. With Chuck Norris and Aaron Norris. Yeah. Yeah. That was the... F- and it's a stupid award, but it won MTV Movie Awards Best Fight for the Year, Best Fight Scene. Did it? And that was the first year they ever had that award. We haven't seen Happy Gilmore play this badly since his first day on tour. He and Bob Barker are now dead last. I can't believe you're a professional golfer. I think you should be working at the snack bar. You better relax, Bob. There is no way that you could have been as bad at hockey as you are at golf. All right, let's go. You want a piece of me? I don't want a piece of you. I want the whole thing. Now you're going to get it, Bobby. And then, of course, the line of the whole sequence. The price is wrong, bitch. I think you've had enough. No? Now you've had enough, bitch. That scene was initially just supposed to be one slap, and then they do, they expounded upon it. So they kind of ad lib the rest of the fight to make it into a full blown oh, fight. Man, that was good stuff. Yeah, what a great scene though. Scene of the movie. All right, um, I did like the early setup. Happy's narrating. We see the home movies of him when he's growing up playing hockey with his dad and all that stuff. I wrote down. That I love the beginning of the movie. It clearly sets up the plot, and you're already in it. Right. You meet the characters, and, and, if, and if you don't know what's going to happen, you're thinking, oh, it's going to be a hockey movie. Right, that's true. And then it shifts pretty quickly. Very quickly. Yep. I wrote every scene with Ben Stiller. I don't know why. <laughs> every time I laugh, that I that back and forth as soon as ha- like even when they go back to his um, grandma's room, and she's like, "Happy, I just can't stand it here." And she looks out the window, and he's leaning out the other window, uh-huh. like doing the throat cut, like he's gonna kill her. See, and I didn't think you liked um, Ben Stiller. Ben Stiller that much. not that much. That's what I mean. A little goes a long way, probably. Okay. So if he thing. was in the movie the whole time, I would have been yeah. annoyed. Yeah. It was great in that small dose. And yeah. again, now it means more now going back and looking at it from 1996 when Ben Stiller wasn't That's ben probably Stiller. true, too. Yeah. Yeah, if that had just been somebody else reigning He was just this sort of funny guy doing this character as the, as you know. Yeah. So uh, I've got the breakup scene with a girlfriend. And again, I think this has to probably have some origins with his Denise skit where the girl broke up with him on SNL. But you know he go he's yelling at her through the intercom. He's like, "I'm sorry, baby. I didn't mean it. I just get so crazy because I love you so much." Yeah, <laughs> and then he tells her to leave. I go leave. Get out of my life. I don't need you anyway. Yeah. And then, and he, then, then at the end of it, there's a whole crowd around the intercom. He starts singing, "I want to kiss you all over." <laughs> and there's a little kid. There's an older Asian lady and a guy on a bicycle, and they're all just kind of staring at the box to him. And then uh, at the end of the scene, the Asian lady. Shows up at his door, and then the next scene, she's still there she's in his hockey there jersey. Next morning, that's right, trying to make him breakfast. Yeah, <laughs> as he has to leave to go see what grandma's calling for. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. <sighs> All right. So, what's your next scene? Uh, I like the first tournament when he's kind of learning how to play on the fly, 
and he can't hit the ball on the first shot, and then all of a sudden right. he aces the hole-in-one on a par four on the right. next one. Well, that, and, and I've got, when he first finds out how far he can hit the golf ball, when he's he's with the movers because Grandma's got to move out of the house. And, of course, we didn't really get into the plot, but the whole reason <laughs> he gets on the, tour. the Pro Golfers Tour is because, for anyone who hasn't seen it or doesn't remember, is his Grandma's getting evicted from this house that his grandfather built with his, his own, own hands. hands. So he's got to raise 200000 bucks. And he's got to get it within 90 days. And so then grandma's getting evicted. They're moving her to the nursing home. And the movers are kind of taking their time. And he's like, they start driving some golf balls. And they make a bet about how far he can drive the golf ball. And so he's <laughs> he winds up with his hockey stick. And he drives it like 400 yards. And it breaks a window down the street. And then the second one, the guy comes out. He hits him. The third one, the woman's on top of the house. And she, <laughs> she falls, falls down. down the porch. Yeah. yeah. So I, I like that when he discovers his hidden talent. Yeah, and the fact that he's nailing balls in the golf ball. Sure, or the house but with the golf ball. They, he hits it like a block, and they're like, "Wow, that had to been at least four hundred yards." It's like, well, that was well, way more than four hundred yards. My son, when he was probably still like ten or eleven, the street that we lived on, he had just like some little clubs, and he would go out and tinker around with golf every once in a while. He said he was practicing his chipping out in the street, right? So probably a good 60, 70 yards away, he chips one right into a neighbor lady's house, into the window. Right. Of course. It always hits the window. Yes, exactly. Of course, that's where it's going to go. And he ended up doing chores for her the rest of the summer to pay for the window. Just more than fair. Yeah, exactly. Was that a likable neighbor? (laughs) Not quite. uh, We didn't really see her. A whole lot. But she found him as soon as that window broke. Oh, he didn't even go admit to it. Well, I think he was like, he was kind of scared to go down there, and he wandered down there, and the next thing we know, the lady and, and my son are coming and, and telling us this whole story about what happened. So it was it was kind of nice that rather than... Call the cops. Call the cops or make him pay out of his pocket. She was like, hey, yeah. you can do some chores for me and pay it off. I'm sure he so, probably she, more than... Like, if he just paid for the window, this yeah. probably was worse. <laughs> exactly. Uh, when he whiffs on a swing, he's cursing the ball, then he finally hits it long, and then they cut to Vern Lundquist. What a shot by Happy Gilmore. Who the hell is Happy Gilmore? Yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, well, how about when he meets all the – I like when the pro golfer scene in the pro shop. You kind of alluded to that earlier. Well, that's great. Where's your jacket? You know, right. he's meeting all the golfers. And they're like, right. you know what? we got a special treat for you. Yeah. Ninth hole at nine. And then he goes out there and turns the sprinklers on him. Yeah. Later in the movie, Shooter's getting ready to tee it up, and that the, the, the big guy, Richard Keel, trying to reach the green, sir, and then Shooter's, yeah. Shooter says, it's not possible from here. And he says, I beg to differ. Happy Gilmore did it not an hour ago. No longer than that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah uh, the, I thought the Subway commercial was hilarious. I thought so, too. When he was, was trying good. to get money, and then they do the Subway, and he tees off a sub into a guy's mouth. Well, and that's kind of the significance of – the the tour championship, I think, is what they called it at the end. He didn't even have to play in that because when he did the commercial, that put him over the top, and he got to like two hundred and seventy thousand bucks, right? Yes, but his house was bought by Shooter McGavin, and he wasn't going to sell, oh, so that's why he that. played in it. Was I forgot to, about that yeah. to win the deed to the house. So yeah, all right. The happy place when there's a the woman with beer in the bed, <laughs> right? Yeah, go to your happy place, yeah. and it's got Virginia, the Julie Bowen. Yeah, just that character. part was good. The rest of it got weird. Grandma playing yeah. slots, and then the <laughs> right the person on the horse. 
Yeah, Julie Bowen, by the way, has, I mean, she's aged very well. Very well. Yeah. yeah. I mean, she was. I think she looks very. She didn't look good back then. She was beautiful back then. And she looks great now. 20 some years later, she looks great. Yeah. I wouldn't guess she was. No. Nearly that old. I remember having a. We were talking about Ed. That's when my my Julie Bowen crush developed. <laughs> that's been a few I'm years. I'm surprised you saw that show. I love that Maybe show. Maybe we're the only two fans, and we that's why. We might have been, and that's why it went off the air. I wonder if it would have been saved. There, and there were a lot of NBC series that kind of came and went in that time period. I wonder if it would have been saved or how different it would have been with streaming and stuff like that today. Because a lot of those shows get second wins. Like Friday Night Lights got canceled and came back because of yeah, streaming and stuff. On direct TV and audience. And I'm surprised that show isn't on a streaming service or it's not like talked well, about. Or the Peacock just launched its own app, though, right? Yeah. It isn't anything that was ever made by NBC, isn't it, in that app? So maybe we could find it in there. But you Maybe think we it, need to do an Ed podcast. We should. It's Bowling Alley. Yeah. There you go. It just seems like it should have been streaming somewhere. I agree. Or picked up for syndication or like aired on TBS and something one of the most underrated series of our time i, I think ed with, uh, with I, julie bowen and tom cavanaugh i can live with that <laughs> um the scene where shooters signing books for older people on the golf course and <laughs> happy's over signing a girl's chest not not too low it's a it's, it's you know it's, it's a, classy above the bosom that's yeah. right all class but it it kind of you know this it made me think about this when you start thinking about the time because Tiger Woods makes his PGA debut that same year, 1996, the same year this movie came out. So really, that was that was true. I mean, that was the demographic because some of the things that they get into with like, why aren't you going to kick Happy off the tour? Well, he's making us money and our ratings are up. And I mean, the demographic back then was a lot older than it is now. And that Tiger Woods effect that really gave golf more broad Mass appeal, appeal yeah. more, more ratings and and. Just the popularity of golf is a lot different now, post Tiger Woods, compared to back then, pre Tiger Woods. Well, what do they, they call it? The Tiger Wa- or the Tiger ratings or something? The Tiger effect. Yeah, I like even after all the trials and tribulations he went through, like the Masters last year had to have been their highest rated one. That's very true. In a long time, you know, going into the eight, yeah, the because day. there was that lull when Tiger had his injuries and he wasn't in all these events. The popularity, when you even got, though you had a lot of really good young golfers who grew up watching Tiger, it still wasn't the popularity. Still wasn't the same. Well, even then, it wasn't sustained success. Like Rory was really good for a year mm-hmm. or two, and then he's he's not bad. But he fell off. You know, Ricky Fowler can't yeah. seem to win the big one. You get those guys, and then Jordan Spieth came out of nowhere, and he, I guess he's still on the rise. Yeah, but that's true. They don't have somebody like Tiger. Yep. Yeah, but it, it just. Again, it kind of foreshadowed the fact that someone young and kind of mm-hmm. hip could sort of reinvigorate an entire sport. That's kind of what they were saying Happy Gilmore was doing. And then in real life, not long afterwards, that's exactly what Tiger Woods did. Yeah. Head of their time. Yep. Uh, when he wrestles the alligator for Chubbs when he <laughs> jumps into the water. I, I thought that was stupid. <laughs> that, that That's where it took a little bit of a turn for me. It took a weird turn, but because at the same time, you know. Then the fact he kills the gator... Right, because he knows it's Chubbs. Then he puts the head he inadvertently in kills the box, Chubbs. and then yeah, and he then gives Chubbs the head, and Chubbs falls out the window. And then at the he killed a lot of people in this movie. He dropped an <laughs> he air conditioner on that me. woman outside the nursing home that fell. And that's she, right. He goes that hey woman, I think I killed her. <laughs> and then you know at the end of the movie when he looks up in the sky and he sees Chubbs the alligator and Abraham yeah. Lincoln waving. That was eh, a little out there for me. A little odd. A little odd. And then obviously the trick shot was pretty cool to see. 
the yeah. tower falls over. And because he had he had practiced, of course, at the the mm-hmm. the miniature golf place with all the obstacles and and all that different kind of stuff. Yeah. All right. Any more scenes? That's all I got. Anything that bugs you about it? <laughs> to me, it's kind of tough for a, a movie like this. You there's, have to suspend disbelief. Yeah. There's a couple little things, but well, like one, there's that scene with him and Shooter where he keeps. <laughs> Swinging at the ball and missing and missing and missing, and then it goes in the water. Yeah. Nearly loses one stroke. Yeah. It's like, well, he would have lost six or seven there. That's true. But the fact that you can learn to play golf that quickly at that level. Yeah. Especially the short game. I understand. Because even even being able to drive long, keeping it on the fairway, I think is going to be a big thing for someone like that who's. Right. That's to say, not everything's going to be straight 100%. Right. Then uh, he keeps fighting people, but never gets in like trouble or arrested or assault or anything. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean that's fame, right? Uh, I guess. <laughs> uh, my my question is, why didn't we get to see the mob catch shooter at the end after he steals the jacket? This the, this movie's only an hour and thirty. I mean, not that it would have done a ton, but you know, like even if the mob's chasing him down. And then maybe we cut to Shooter is in a wheelchair and he's got like a cast and a neck bracer. Yeah. Just something. I just thought it was odd. A payoff for that. Yeah, some kind of payoff otherwise, for that why scene. even have it in there? Yeah. They could have done without him stealing the coat. Right. And, and the other thing is, I know Chubb's hand, and you talked about suspending disbelief, but I know his hand wasn't supposed to look real and it got ran over it. And, it, and I mean, it was funny when you glued saw it back like, together. Yeah, the different, it's glued together and all this. But why was, why did the arm, why did it come all the way down to his knee? Right. Because it was like a foot right. and a half like longer an extension, than yeah. the other one. Yeah. It wasn't just like... Well, it's because he was holding it. Yeah. Well, obviously. Right. No, I know, but... I felt like as like the movie people could have made it look... Better. You know, even if it was going to be a completely fake hand like that, that it was at least the same length as the other hand or not a foot longer than the other yeah. hand. I thought, it was, I thought that that was a little bit much. Yeah. And the fact that they keep putting it back together, just get another wood hand. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, so we are at the. That's the only part that bugged you the whole movie. Yeah, that's it. Wow, I didn't have because again it was it was a goofy comedy. Yeah, I, I'm not gonna pick it apart. It was just a couple goofy things like that that really bugged me. Or the about. fact after the tournament when he goes to get this check for the first time. Because I mean, let's be honest. It, yeah, I, I mean, I thought it was funny. I like, did. I, yeah, the, the big checks. Yeah, he's, he's got the collection up of in big the big checks because he wants a big. You know, he wants he wants the check. Yeah, I mean, how realistic is it that a hockey player is gonna well, the, sure. I, the pro yeah. tour to begin with. Or so, anyone. Any yeah. random human. Exactly. Exactly. What role could Kevin Costner have played? Kevin Costner was offered the role of Shooter McGavin, but declined. Was he really? I did not see that. And then he did Tin Cup in 96 anyway. Yeah. So he didn't want to do two golf movies. Is that why? Or it was just, yeah. do we really not know why? Is, is that why he actually declined? Because he knew he was I think I read that he had to do two Cup. golf movies, and he didn't feel like he wanted to do two in the same year. That would have been funny because we never really see Kevin Costner it, like with the heel turn, like, right? Where he's the bad guy. His his image, and maybe that's by choice that he's protected that image time and again with the kind of roles that he played. I think it would be funny to see him in some kind of comedic heel turn, especially like this or whatever. Especially in this one, because I don't think he would have had to have been slapstick funny or yeah. like over the top. It's almost subtle, like like a heel that's like kind of like just an antagonist. Yeah. So I think that that's where he would have played. So Shooter McGavin, yeah. So that's that makes natural, perfect sense. That, yeah. I mean, he turned it down. So And I, the other one, I've got Doug Dugan, the guy who plays. He's in charge of the golf tour. But at yeah. the same time, he's the director of the movie, which I didn't realize until going back. And apparently he has directed a lot of Adam Sandler 
movies, and he's been in. He he has yeah. cameos in in a lot of them as well. I think Kevin Costner would have changed the whole dynamic of the movie, but he could have played the caddy. That's true. That guy doesn't really get a chance to talk very much. And then the caddy. Could but again, be, that's one of Adam Sandler's real life buddies right. too that he that he has in a lot of his stuff. But then the caddy could have offered him tips and stuff, and I don't know, it could have shaped him a little different. So that See, like that caddy would have been funny. Like Dan Patrick has shown up in yeah. some of Sandler's more recent things. That like somebody like that, like someone from someone that you recognize from ESPN or you know whether it's Kilborn. Craig Kilborn. Like who showed yeah. up in old school with yeah. the, with that little cameo role. See, that's why I almost think that Pro-Am would have been a perfect shot to have several of those Some of those other people. guys. But that's probably too early on. He probably didn't have those connections. Have you ever been a big Vern Lundquist fan? Uh, I don't really have an opinion on him. Yeah. I, I know his voice from CBS, but... Yeah. A lot of people really love him on golf. And I, I always thought he was a, a solid enough play-by-play guy. Good enough. For golf or I for... Was just for well, for football, too. And he goes back. I know he was the voice of the Cowboys a long yeah. time ago. I mean, obviously, I never lived in Dallas, even though I'm a Cowboys fan. But, you know, so I never got to hear that. You hear him on some of the old Super Bowl highlights and stuff like that. Sometimes in the football, I think he gets a little into himself. Yeah. And that's a bit hard for me to listen to. I just always thought that you always hear people who industry people who know him always talk about what a great guy and everything that he mm-hmm. is. But I always thought that that gut bust laugh like. Maybe he laughed too hard at stuff that wasn't necessarily gut bust funny. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. And who's his partner when he does football? Gary Danielson. Yeah, it's a tough sell. A lot of people don't like Gary Danielson. And I've I've found that out more recently. See, he, like personally, now we're gonna get into right. some some sportscaster stuff, but we're on this track, so we might as well go with it. Personally, as someone who does play-by-play and, and who's done all that stuff and who watches a lot of games both as a fan and as an impartial observer, I have never gotten into the announcer is biased against my team stuff. And watching, I never I never think, oh, man, he's being biased against Philadelphia or Alabama or Notre Dame or whoever right. it happens to be. I think most of that comes from the fact that fans are watching, looking for it. Yeah, and they're they're looking for it. And especially in baseball, like in baseball and the the NBA, I guess, as well, because of the amount of games, you get to watch your own announcers do all the games. You're not watching network stuff right. as much. But because these guys are on networks, there's a lot of perceived bias that I don't think is really bias at all. And well, a lot of it gets directed at Gary Danielson in college football, Joe Buck, Troy Aikman, all these different kind of guys. See, I don't need, I'm not terribly upset with that. It's... Like, because Aikman, I feel like, is very – and like, he goes out to the Cowboys pretty hard, yeah, and it's and awkward to watch. And that's funny with him because the people he hears it the most from are Cowboys fans right. who thinks he's too hard on them, and then all the Giants, Eagles, Redskins, the, the main opponents right. of the NFC East, he, so he hears it from both Cowboys fans and the, the Cowboys' fa- uh, biggest rivals. Well, same thing happened at Ohio State with Kirk Herbstreet. Yeah, he got exactly. mad at him because he wouldn't pick him for a game. Yeah. Well, and – Clemson play, he's got sons who are playing for Clemson now, Yeah, and he was doing the Clemson-Ohio State game in the college football playoff, and so there were a lot of Ohio State fans who were all over him. And having watched all of those games that Clemson and Ohio State was involved in, I never heard anything that even remotely sounded like bias, bias one way or another. I agree with you 100%. Yeah. Sometimes in the SEC game, it's, I guess if it's a blowout, and that's the problem with Vern and Gary, yeah, it kind of goes off the rails. I feel like they're like joking around, and I, like they're just 
they've gone it together for so long. It's almost like listening to two friends talk about. Well, and that's that's good. That actually is, sure is but, what makes it a good broadcast but, because they're comfortable with each other. But, but I know what you're saying. But, like they're they're they're, they're not on the game. Yeah, that, they, that maybe especially if it is a blowout. And those are tough games to do though too. But at least Musburger's not on television yeah. anymore. And the one thing I'll say in all of their for for all of them is it's. The, the advent of Twitter especially, but the social media that goes along with it makes it so tough these days because every little thing gets picked apart. See, I, yeah, that bias thing bugs me too because I don't – if they do have a bias, even if they did, then don't watch the game. Yeah. I mean, as network play-by-play guys, the biggest thing they are cheering for is that the game is good. I mean, literally. Like, while the game – that's yep. all they care about. Right. Is the game good? Are there good storylines? To follow. After it that, it... it's what's to eat in the press box? Right. How quickly <laughs> am I getting out of here? Is my flight going to be on time? That's yep. it. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, when it goes to overtime, you start to roll your eyes. Yeah. You want a good game, but not an overtime game usually. All this started with Vern Lundquist, so I'll just circle back. I've always thought he was a, a pretty solid play-by-play guy. You hear things about he's a really good guy and all that, but sometimes the laugh is you know that would that would be the one thing but I, think I thought he, he laughed too hard at some stuff that wasn't that yeah funny. I think if that's my only criticism I hope that he can accept that I think he's better at golf <laughs> than he is football I think so too I think so too okay what role could Dwayne the Rock Johnson I think have this played? one's pretty easy too Bird isn't Lundquist? it yeah <laughs> Happy Gilmore no he could have been the analyst for that matter they yeah never said anything yeah I could have been the analyst <laughs> uh, obviously Chubbs he'd be a yeah. funny guy to teach somebody how to golf perfect he's like kind of the maybe the probably a bigger star. Than Carl Weathers, but at sure. the same time, maybe like even the modern that, day equivalent, even that scene where right before he tees off and he gets behind him, and he's like, "It's all on the hips." Yeah, happy's like, "What are you trying to do?" And he's like, "Trying to loosen you up." That'd be so funny to see the big Rock doing that to Adam Sandler. Because I think if Rocky had never been made and you were just starting that franchise up today, mm-hmm. I think that the Rock. I don't think Rocky would be his role, but I think the the Apollo Creed role would be the natural for him for the Rock. Yeah. You know, it's funny we're talking about something like Michael B. Jordan's kind of in a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. He would, he's one of those actors you could put in a lot of different movies and That's roles. True. And That's true. Any other casting changes you would really make? I can't really think of any. Because, I mean, there weren't a ton. It's, it's mostly Adam Sandler, and then the Julie Bowen character is probably Second. secondary. And then but, Carl Weathers I'd put third. Yeah. Or maybe Shooter. Yeah. They're, they're all, yeah, that's true. But then that's it. And uh, Shooter was obviously what they wanted. They also... They wanted that guy. They got that guy. Yep, that's very true. Does it hold up over time? Yeah, I think so too. It's it. I'm not disagreeing or trying to get into this, but it's a it's an Adam Sandler movie. Yeah, which is almost like its own genre. <laughs> so they kind of hold up because they're that's still a great making way of them. Putting it, Adam Sandler movies, their own genre. Yeah, very true. All right, should it ever be remade? No, I don't think so. I don't either. Especially I, some of these like niche sports. I guess golf's very popular, but sometimes you don't need more of it. I listened to our Caddyshack podcast just to see if there were really any similarities that I might pick up on before doing this. And there really aren't. I mean, golf is the only similarity, really. Two completely different kinds of comedies that are both good in their own With way. With SNL characters. Yeah, that's true, too. But this one, again, I enjoyed Caddyshack, but this one had at least a streamlined idea of like why he's playing, mm-hmm. whereas Caddyshack just kept spreading out into what is the plot of this movie. Could Norm MacDonald, maybe he was too young, Back then, I was I was thinking Norm Macdonald with his kind of dry sarcasm, or even Dennis Miller. Speaking of SNL guys, as the Shooter McGavin character. What about uh, like a Dana Carvey? Ah, who was also because SNL. Had, yeah, just ended his SNL run yeah. a few years earlier. 
because he's kind of a he'd be a good antagonist. And that's another guy who really has to be small doses deep in that character. Yeah, small doses, but deep <laughs> in a character, whether it's right. Wayne's World or whatever. As kind of like uh, Mike Myers for that matter. Yeah, Austin Powers. Yeah, not the murderer guy. Wayne's World again. Yeah, yeah. Did you see, have you seen Inglorious Bastards? I have not. Oh my gosh! Do you like anything Quentin Tarantino? Yeah. Have you seen anything Quentin Tarantino? Yeah, I'll have to look it up. I don't remember what it was called. But I've seen I a wish couple Tarantino of would do sports movies, some kind of sports movie. He's got he's got the boxing a little bit with Bruce Willis in Pulp Fiction, but there's not much sports that ever really pops up in Maybe Tarantino movies. You should tweet at him and ask him to do a sports movie. Yeah. I don't think that he's necessarily a sports fan. I think that's why because he is. He's a fan of movies more than anything, and I think that's because of right. all the, the way that he uses other people's stuff in movies. Yeah, but he can still do one sports movie. I, I completely agree, but there's all this talk that his next movie is going to be his last. And I think what's cool about Tarantino movies is there's the Tarantino universe where a lot of them characters are the related. The world that, yeah. yeah they and kind of, like you've got the, the red apple cigarettes and... And he's Just created all these this. different things. Yeah, there's references to the other movies inside the movies. It's cool stuff. Yeah, a lot of action movies. Did you see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Nope. Okay, Once Upon a Time in the Two Guys Talking Sports Movies uh, podcast. This one guy didn't see enough movies. Come on, Bobby Hensley. I'm trying. Rocky Three is coming up next. Okay. I've got it on my DVR. Even though I've got the DVD, I think it's going to be easier. Skip commercials. Do you agree that... It's easier to watch something digitally than on the DVD for for pausing and and all that and being able to go back and sort of rewatch something if you need to. I do. I like the. I think Rocky three. At one point, all the Rockies were on Netflix. Were they? So then it's really easy because you can just hit pause. There's not even commercials to skip. I recorded this on something a couple weeks ago, just because I, I figured, well, it's here. I, I rolled up on it. I watched part of the beginning, and I said. I need to record this because it'll be easier just for what I yeah. just said. Thunderlips, Hulk Hogan, huh. Mr. T, the debut of both of those guys who went on to become such iconic pop culture figures, especially in the 1980s. Well, I mean, Hulk Hogan was already a made guy. Uh, he was a he was an, in the wrestling world. Somewhat established wrestler. I don't even know if he was known as Hulk Hogan, though, at yeah. that point. He was because Hollywood Hogan was derived from Rocky Three. Well, Hollywood Hogan. That's when they started calling him that. No, Hollywood Hogan was his heel name when he joined the NWO. 96. Exactly. And 96. It, it came from the fact that he was right. in. But that was 96. That was several years later. Okay. We'll uh, address this <laughs> in the Rocky Three podcast. Yeah. Sounds great. See ya. Two guys sucking sports movies. Whatever. Yeah.